welcome to Don't Die Before You're Dead. I am your host, Mary McCartney, and this is where we talk about all things related to living the life that we Thank you for joining us today. The guest I have is Dr. Dorian Mincer, and she is one amazing lady. Let me tell you. I came across Dorian at a TEDx uh, conference where she was speaking, and I was blown away because we thought a lot alike, but that's not just it. There she was up on stand, this very mature, classy-looking woman, saying, I'm 70. And this is what I believe in living and living fully. And I thought, wow, I need to learn more. And so, Dory, thank you for coming to the show. I'm so thrilled you're here. I did not let it out of the can um, that you are... What you have said, you've lived an extraordinary life that you, something happened to you very early that just kind of set the tone for your life. So thank you for coming and do share as you feel comfortable. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me here. And I love the title of your program, Don't Die Before You're Dead, because I do believe that we want to live fully through our last breath. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that's what you're teaching. And that's what you're all about as a as a retirement coach, you're a specialist, you've written books, you've written articles, and you are living what you believe and what you live. So um, and I mentioned that, you know, I said you're a, a very classy lady. I don't think anybody would take you for your age. And so you know of what you speak. <laughs> well, actually, when I did that TEDx talk, I was 70, and now I'm turning 75, actually, this week. So... Happy birthday coming forward. Thank you. Thank you. But you asked me sort of what early life experience sort of has shaped the work that I've done. And, Mm. you know, I realized there was one pivotal time, but, but even thinking before that, that, you know, I was surrounded by people dying around me, you know, teachers, grandparents and all. So early on, I had a sense about life and death and the importance of life, but it was sort of nebulous. And then in my early 20s, I had just gotten my my master's degree and I was whitewater rafting with my then boyfriend um, and I, I flipped into a whirlpool and I had a life jacket on, but the um, oars sort of in this raft that I was on sort of wrapped around me and I was underwater more than up and I really you know what they say about a near-death experience my life truly did flash in front of me um, all parts of it and I I just couldn't believe that I was going to have to give up and I so I made these promises to myself that if somehow I lived there were things I wanted to do and accomplish and have a voice and um, it was just an important time for me. And luckily for me, some strangers on the shore saw me. And it was right near a rock where actually some people I learned afterwards had died. And another had smashed their head open. But they were able to get somebody else rafting, two other people coming down who were able to get to a, the rock and somehow be able to get an oar or a branch, I still to this day don't know which it was, an or a branch, and they pulled me out. But um, And so it was this turning point in my life where I just realized you cannot take life for granted, and that 
we never know when the end is going to be. And it, it set me in motion of not taking life for granted and really wanting to have a voice about living and dying and life transitions. And so it really, it, it has um, influenced so much of my work. One of the phrases that you've used that I really like is the fact that you, it kind of taught you that, you know, life is a one size fits all that we are learning our formal education seems to spell out certain expectations that we think maybe we're designed to follow, but they're not necessarily meant for us all. I really like that phrase. Yeah, I think it's true that there, there are many choices we can make in life and many forks in the road, as Robert Frost in his famous poem talks about. <laughs> and you know, life can be different depending on which fork we take. And just because people have had expectations of you or you've had expectations of yourself that, you know, you're going to follow X, Y, Z, you know, you may at different points in your life decide, hmm, maybe I want to try CDF or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, just right. to try something different. And I am a believer that, um, you know, we spend so much of our life learning and then usually with a career, if we're lucky enough to have a family, raising a family. And then, you know, the feeling is now what? And there's so much now what that people can do since we're living longer. And there's so many people who reinvent themselves. And there's no reason not to reinvent yourself at different stages of your life. It doesn't have to be straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly. And facing it, actually doing whatever it takes to recognize that we need to we need to be thinking about these things we can't just arrive one day like at retirement and not have any kind of an idea of what now because i've heard that a lot of people that just arrive don't really know what to do with themselves and, and don't handle it terribly well because they didn't prepare so as a retirement coach that's what you're all about is trying to get people to think for themselves about, you know, the life. There's lots of life left, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and hopefully for all of us. You know, retirement used to be thought of more as a destination. You know, it used to be because of the shorter lifespan that we had that you got to the, quote, traditional retirement age of 62 or 65 and you retired and it was a time of leisure. And then probably, you know, you would die in the next seven to 10 years. And back then, like in my parents' generation, it was the exception that people were living a lot longer. Now, with medical advances and, you know, all kinds of lifestyle, different issues and, and uh, choices that people have about nutrition and taking care of themselves, the expectation now is that we'll live another 20, 30, maybe even 40 years post the traditional retirement age. So I like to help people think about it's less important in some ways to think about what you're retiring from and important to think about what are you retiring to. And it may not be another job. It may not be anything specific, but to begin to think about what is it that's going to get you out of bed in the morning? Mm -hmm. um, when you're retired. And some people really do want 
just nothing that's expected of them at the beginning, kind of the honeymoon stage. But what I find is often after a period of time, depends on the person and how much time, people begin to feel like something's missing. And so I do like it when people decide they want to think about it ahead of time. But I just want to, for any of your listeners who are in that something's missing stage, it's not too late to think about it. Because if, if I can just add, part of what I have found in my work is that if you think about it, what we get from work and active parenting is we have connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. We have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. If we're in a relationship, it's often time together and time apart, although maybe not so much during COVID right now, since people are working from home. Um, Generally, there's self-esteem, there's a sense of community, um, and, you know, relationships with co-workers or, you know, it's children like with school teachers or other parents. So what I found really important is it's important to think about it for yourself and what will give you connection, engagement, and purpose and meaning. It may be time with your family. It may be volunteer work. It may be wanting to work but maybe in a different way, maybe not full time, mm-hmm. uh, the right way, as you were saying. And, and, you know, we're all different in terms of what we're coming from and what we want to go to. Yeah, our life experiences, the sum total of who we are at that point, will be different for everyone. But you're talking about, um, and maybe we've had a taste of it with the COVID, and we've realized how important our human connections are. And yeah. it was, you know, my understanding from talking to a number of people, I'm a little bit different in that I'm still very social. I just make a, I need people. I just make a point of it. But some people really, um, they, their focus, their, their circle becomes very, very small. And that can become a little bit uh, tiresome and lonely after a while and realizing about expanding. And when you talk about couples, maybe they each have a different view of what retirement would look like. You've co-authored a book that really intrigued me about the couple's retirement puzzle. And there's like 10 conversations to have. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Well, based on both focus groups and clinical work, we came up with these 10 themes that often emerged from people that were important to think about as you anticipate retirement or to think about even if you've retired. And they include things like, finances, which I think everybody knows finances is a part of it. Finances, health and wellness, expectations of each other, obligations and responsibilities with family, with friends, sexuality, our need for relationships and intimacy and touch, spirituality, social life, community, where to live, legacy, end-of-life issues, which includes legacy. There are a number of issues. And part of what I like that the uh, title of the book was The Couple's Retirement Puzzle. And actually, it's helpful for couples or individuals because you need to think about these things for yourself and then talk to whoever's important with you. So I like the term puzzle because puzzle's a noun and a verb. You need to puzzle it out. And then if you think about these 10 areas, they're all different kind of size puzzle pieces. Um, They're not going to fit perfectly together like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh But I think 
The two biggest that influence lifestyle choices and all are finances and health, health and wellness, because that can impact if, when, and how the timing of retirement or where you live or, or what lifestyle options you might have. Would, would you say that there's a lot more formal education regarding the financial aspect of retirement years and less necessary focus on physical and mental well-being? I think historically it's very much been that way. I think there are more and more life uh, financial planners that are recognizing that either they need to develop skills to become what are called holistic life planners, or they need to partner with or encourage their um, clients to contact retirement coaches or life planners. Um, and I think part of it is realizing since we're living longer, it's, and it's, it's not just a number. It's not just how much you have to help determine, you know, financially, can you afford to retire or not? It's really how you want the money to work for you. Because uh-huh. if you think about it, money is a tool, yeah. you know, and and if you don't think about how you want to live during you know these retirement years, um, then a, a number doesn't really make sense. Um, many people say they want to, you know, they're not going to travel as much. They don't need professional dress anymore. And, you know, some things may change. But the reality is a lot of people, I mean, again, COVID's made it complicated, but I, I think at some point we'll be post-COVID. Um <laughs> But sure you know, you, <laughs> right. But but you need money if you want to travel, yeah. or if you want to age in place and live where you are. Often you need to step back and figure out what do I do, need to do now to make sure where I live can accommodate to any changing health or physical needs I have. Or if you want to move, you know, it may necessitate really thinking about. Where do I or we want to live? Do you want to be near children and grandchildren if you have them? Are you sure they want you nearby? You know, have you That's discussed? A good question. I don't hear much about that one. That's a really good question. Yeah, and have you discussed the expectations? There, the expectations are are important too. Of you might be thinking, gee, I want to be nearby, so you know, I have some time with them, and they may be thinking, oh, they're going to become our babysitters, or you know. Um, and, and, and so the, it's important to have these conversations. And I realized when I mentioned the list of important conversations, I mentioned expectations. And um, the other is changing roles and identity. And I just want to stay with that for one moment, too, because um, we may have different expectations of each other. Just as you were saying, you know, if you're in a relationship or even if you're not in a relationship, your adult children or your friends or siblings, they may expect you to you know, do everything with them. And you may say, you know, I want to do some things with you, but I want to do some things alone. So clarifying expectations is important. And also the other piece that used to be more in terms of men, because it was men for many years who were the ones that were, you know, kind of working and achieving change now. I think for men and women, it's, you know, what, what's my identity? You know, who am I if I'm not working or not working in the same way? And that can be a slippery slope for some people. If, if you haven't developed other interests or you don't see yourself, you know, in other ways, the same kind of thing can happen. As I mentioned, you know, if you're um, 
active parenting has been your main role. And, you know, your kids don't need you in the same way. Mm -hmm. It's important to think about who am I without that role that I had? And who do I want to become? Mm -hmm. Really good, solid questions. And do you find that some of your clients, that's where they're at? They come to you and go, you know, you're talking about retirement transition. Transitioning involves change. And many of us, me included, I mean, we struggle with change. Some of us embrace it when it suits us, but others we kind of run from. So your clients come to you and looking to make that transition. What seems to be the most common thing you're running into? Is it that identity? Because we we are label makers, you know, as we introduce one another, we have to put a label on it. We don't say, hi, this is Dory. Even welcoming you to the show, it was important for me to say, this is what I do yeah this is what we do right so um what do people mostly come to you about as they're transitioning well that's that's a really good question um partly it's the transition itself um just also another little bit about my background I've always worked with people in life transitions and the transitions have been you know way back was getting married maybe making a family or different ways to make a family um career transitions, and retirement, as you're saying, too, is another transition. And if you think about it, all transitions have an end, a period of unknown, and a new beginning. And I often ask people, think about for yourself, where in a transition do you tend to have more trouble? You know, have you tended to have more trouble with the end, with the unknown, with the new beginning? I mean, the end often involves loss and grief. Um, giving things up in order to make space for something new. But what's interesting with retirement is a lot of times people don't recognize that there's grief involved because they think, oh, you should be so happy you're retired. Uh-huh. And it's it's often called what, um, a disenfranchised grief. So people don't necessarily recognize it may be hard. So in terms of your question, people may come at any place in that transition. Some may come because they're thinking about it. And I've sometimes when I've done workshops, people have said, I'm terrified to think about not working. I don't know who I will be if I don't work. And so some people may come in around the identity issue. Others may come up, come in and say, I just, I don't have a sense of anything else that interests me. I have no purpose. I don't know how to do that. And so it may be helping them think about what were some of the things maybe you had to put on the back burner years ago? Or who are the people you admire and what are some of the things they do? Oh, or you know, or oh, if you weren't an object at all, what would you like to learn? Who would you like to become? Just to allow yourself to begin to brainstorm. So I've had people come at those different stages. Some people, you know, decide that they want to seek help to, to anticipate and plan for. Others might be just feeling really bereft and confused during that period of, of, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what's next. And some people may may come in too because they're either depressed or anxious because they, you know, um, they just haven't figured it out. And they're, you know, they're spiraling into depression or the dark side of retirement without thinking about it can be drinking too much, drugs, you know, so it, it's important to think about what are the parts you can control 
and and you know what not and and so people can come at any any points in that process you know i've had people come back after many years of being retired and they want to start thinking about their legacy and they want to think about how they wanted to be how they want to be remembered um, or people may come in you know with a, the illness of a of a loved one or the death of a loved one and need both to do grieving but to think about how do i reinvent my life now by myself you know so come in in sort of different ways along that what you're saying is there's like actual transitions within transitions because we're always evolving and changing i guess you've had some pretty exciting transitions in your own life as you've journeyed through from you know, young womanhood to where you are today. I mean, you're very vibrant, you're very active. Uh, You know, I so admire how you are coaching retirement. I'm glad you mentioned all the other things in transition that you coach because, you know, you're coaching retirement and yet you are a very active woman yourself. And uh, well, how have you, have have any transitions in your own life really kind of thrown you at all or... um, what was what was the thing was maybe a little bit more difficult than others? Well, that's another good question. Yeah. So, um, well, it's interesting because I think in my work, since so much is intertwining personal and professional, you know, I have moved from different stages of life. And one that was really hard for me was this whole um, I very much wanted to have children and, you know, life was seeming to have other other ideas for me. <laughs> and, um, and it really wasn't until, and I know it can sound sort of strange, but it wasn't until I was 50 that I was able to become a mom with all kinds of help in all the ways that the world works. Mm-hmm. And that had, that was really important for me. And I had sort of made a point over many years of, you know, sort of saying that's not going to be part of my life. And so my work at that stage was often around children or helping people with families or helping people think about alternative ways of making family. Um, and that was a hard transition. And I like to think that becoming a parent for me was like an encore career in that I was 50 when my son was born. And so I cut my work back to part-time because I really wanted, I knew I wanted to still work, but I knew I also wanted to have time to really be a mom. And so I cut back to part-time and it's, it was a funny transition. I could have been the mother of many of the mothers of his friends in you know preschool and school, but we had this new common bond around um, raising a child. And I have some dear friends from, that stage of life. But that was a difficult time. I mean, for me, it was wanting something and I couldn't make it all happen in the timing that I wanted. And so needing to uh, reimagine and, and have my life be a different way for a while and then try to figure out how to build it in. Um, same kind of thing. You know, so, so my interest in sort of this retirement phase was as I began to be more middle-aged, um, I began really being interested in adult development and positive psychology and holistic life planning, you know, and that's part of what morphed me to this stage of life. And it is interesting. So I'm a role model that you don't have to retire. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
retirement age, but but you can. I mean, some people are just really ready. It depends but, on what it looks like, right? Like, it depends on what does retirement look like. Is there is there a vision? Is there some painting hanging on the wall that says, you know, right. how do we learn what retirement is? We've obviously watched others who have retired, but that not that's not necessarily our picture. Certainly isn't your exactly. picture. Well, and it's so true. You know, I'm part of what I'm called. I'm one of the ones that's called one of the leading edge boomers, you know, yes. born in 1946. Uh-huh. And what people often say is that the boomers, you know, sort of have redefined many different life stages. And in a sense, we are doing that also with retirement. Okay. Uh, if you think about it, retirement used to be that you retired from work. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of what people think about as D words. It was detachment decline, despair, because often, you know, people were burnt out, you know, and, you know, they wanted just time out. And the concept of retirement really really started a while ago in Germany. But in our country, in the 1930s, when Social Security came about, it was with the idea that people, you know, worked hard, were burnt out, and there should be some safety net to help them you know, during those final years. Um, retirement is not retiring from life, um, which I think used to be the old stereotype. Now people use a lot of what are called these R words, like refirement, mm-hmm. or my website's revolutionized retirement, or rewiring. It's, it's like realizing when you get to be a certain age, we've got so many life experiences, Um so many skills we've learned in different parts of our life, so many ways to engage in the world. You know, Dory, so if, if I could, I mean, that's a, that's a really great point, I think, that, that you were making earlier about <clears throat> when you look at volunteering. I I personally know up in our neck of the woods here, I know I'm area, that there are so many nonprofit organizations that are hurting for volunteers. And that's an avenue where people who are lost with purpose, lost their identity and direction, I would really like to encourage them to say, hey, you talk about all the skills. Can you imagine all the all the experience and the knowledge? You know that the school of hard knocks or you know, actual yeah. academic knowledge. I mean, we get to the stage knowing more than perhaps others. We could offer that purpose and, and get involved in the volunteering. You know, there's lots for us still to do. Our number might be getting higher than we'd like. I mean, I certainly, um, I would certainly like my number to be more, but that's not going to stop me from doing things I want to do. And I think it's important to look at it that way. Bless you. Um, I like to say 70 is not the new 50. You know, that 70 is the new 70, because otherwise we're still holding on to youth. And yeah, I mean, I I think it is hard as we get older and realize there's less years ahead than behind us. But I do think that it can create a positive kind of urgency of saying life is really precious. And, you know, I don't want to hold on to grudges. You know, I want to forgive myself and others. I want to feel gratitude. I want to figure out how to live my life so whenever the end is, I don't have regrets. And I think you know, if you can embrace, you know, sort of that attitude and think about what, you know, what do you have from your life experiences that you can share? 
And maybe if you still need to earn money, you know, you're able to figure out a way to do it where you're able to make money. Mm-hmm. And if money's less of an issue, there are so many people suffering and hurting. And there's something beautiful about intergenerational connections. Mm-hmm. Like if you like working with children, um, you know, there are ways of, of, of either tutoring or mentoring. And it doesn't have to be young children. It could be older children. Um, I don't know, you know, Canada, in the same way I know this country, but in the U.S., you know, there's some organizations where people can use their skills of helping startups, helping nonprofits. Um, There are also organizations that match you based on your interests with, you know, helping either younger generations or a different cause. And I would encourage all of your listeners, it's such... You know, there's something about giving, but you also get in the process. Oh, I couldn't agree and more, Dory. So, yeah. And it's just think, important. I don't think you can outgive um, yeah. that kind of a process. I think the right. more you give, you can't help but get that back in, in, in return. Like, it's just, I, I think people who have never jumped into any kind of voluntary role think, don't understand what they gain as opposed to saying I'm just going to go work for nothing I mean it's you know the gain is un, is in, it's priceless what can I say so obviously I, I I feel very strongly about that but I was raised by parents who were very involved in voluntary work so I saw mm-hmm. that example as I as I was being raised so some of our some of our people today haven't seen that much of it and I do think organizations need to change how they approach that. If we don't sign up for a lifetime anymore, we just sign up maybe for uh, many projects and we feel same way. I mean, it's changed, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right that it's often helpful to think about projects, even in terms of if you want to work for money, you know, not necessarily a full time job, but project work. Um, and many people say, well, I don't, you know, there's this negative stereotype volunteering is like sealing envelopes or something like that. You want to think about what do you have to offer and to really make clear when you're connecting with places, I don't want to just necessarily do the um, administrative, you know, I really want to help in a hands-on way. Although not to say anything, I mean, some people really want to do the administrative and that's that's terrific too. But to recognize and value it. And it's, you know, part of it is living our legacy that way. I mean, we all, if you think about it, want to feel like there's been a purpose of us living. You know, we want to leave a stamp or a footprint or a thumbprint or something. And I like to think about that, that in some ways we're all living our legacy every day if we let ourselves think about it. It's how we interact with people, if we smile at people, if we connect with them, if we're curious about them. And to use that and bring that, you know, wherever you want to maybe put some energy. I think it's really important. And to think about how, just as you're saying too, how much you get as you're giving. And um, I think COVID has also brought that to the forefront. We really need each other, you know, and, and. Isolation is another one of the pandemics that we have in addition to yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. And just, some people are saying the mental toll can be worse than the physical toll. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I certainly am very thankful I'm not in any decision-making role about any of this because I can't imagine 
what that's like to be day in and day out facing those kinds of decisions. It makes my decision making so much easier. And yet, one of the things that I, I was, um, you know, talking to you about earlier was you have a guide for uh, dealing with, you know, 10 key issues to explore. When is a good time to even start thinking about decision making around retirement? It's not necessarily Oh, absolutely. But so I have two different answers to that question. One is wherever you are now, now is the time to start. (laughs) Ideally, um, ideally, if you can start thinking about it, you know, five years ahead or even longer. I mean, it was interesting. The person who wrote the foreword to the book that I co-authored said he thought the book should be given to newly married couples. Not that you're thinking about retirement, but the kind of issues that we address in the book are things that people should be thinking about throughout life mm-hmm. so that, you know, you, you sort of have a game plan. But since a lot of people don't do it that way, you know, if you're able to, you know, if you sort of think about, you know, sort of the trajectory of your life. And I like to think about not just lifespan, but what's now called health span, you know, like assessing how are you health-wise? Are you taking care of yourself? But the, the earlier you start thinking about what are your options, the more likelihood you'll have some control over them. Right, right. Uh, one of the statistics I like to share with people, if it's okay to share it, is um, there's studies that say by the time you reach 65, it's only 30% about genetics, and it's 70% lifestyle issues. So, you know, not to underestimate, I mean, genetics, 30% is, is 30%, but nutrition, exercising your body and brain, spirituality, meaningful relationships, you know, the connection, engagement, purpose and meaning, community, legacy, all of those things are so important. We can't control all of them. Right. It's, it's like trying to think about what are the things I can control? So using that frame, uh-huh. the sooner you let yourself start thinking about what's next, it may just help you figure out the trajectory. Say you just you, you know that maybe by the time you're 65 or 70, you know, you don't want to work in the same way. Uh, or you might even think earlier, you know, I really want to keep working and I need to keep working, but I'd like to see if there are ways maybe not to have to be full-time. You know, there's things called phased retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, or just we were saying before, um, you may not want to have a full-time position, but to think if there are ways to do project work. Um, now, I don't know again. Balance is so important. Balance is what? so important. Balance is right? so important. So, I mean, you know, I, I, there's ways of being able to look at your life earlier on and say, this much I do for now, and this yeah. much I do for later. Yeah. The and there's something about what kind of later you want. Exactly. Because, you know, we, we, we live the expression of it's never too late to start. Well, in some things it is. If your physicality won't let you go out and run a marathon, <laughs> mine certainly wouldn't. Uh, you know, I'd have to start much earlier. But, you know, it's that... I think I call it sort of like being awake, being conscious, actually look at at your, you called it the trajectory. I like that term because we're all, we're all going to be older as much as, as our health will allow. 
So, yeah. I mean, the fact that I would say, oh, I'm never going to be 70. Well, you know what? I'll be 70 next month and I am, you know, it should be its alternative. And I've got friends of mine that think I'm crazy because I just took up skating again this winter after I don't know how many years. But that's great. Yeah, yeah to get out there and live. So um, as we as we kind of wrap this up, I, I one of the other phrases that you used, which I really like, was being conscious. And so if newlyweds were getting the book, now the book you were was that the one? I'm Your sorry, you just book? froze for a second. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the, yeah, just for a second. For yeah, the, yeah. 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 That's the person who wrote the forward. Yeah. yeah. Great point. So people that were looking and saying, okay, Dory, I, I am stuck. I don't know. Like whatever transition, like I'm stuck and I'm, I'm afraid. Some people are just really afraid to get unstuck because they're afraid of getting in the wrong, taking the wrong fork in the road. I forget who it was that said, when you come to a fork of the road, just take it. It sounds like something Groucho Marx might have said, but, you know, I'm enjoying my age. But um, when people are stuck and in that transition, how can they reach out to you? What is it that, uh, where can they find you? Okay, so there are a couple of places. One, um, my website is www.revolutionizeretirement.com. And I do offer, and many people offer in Canada and in the States, just, and right now everything's virtual, but coaching for me has always been virtual because I have clients from, you know, all over the place. But mm -hmm. um, so coaching is available, but I also would like your listeners to know about a, a program that I have that they may find helpful on the fourth Tuesday of each month. I have a free program that's open to professionals and the public. I call it um, my fourth Tuesday, revolutionize your retirement to create a fulfilling second half of life. Yeah. The sign up always starts the week before. So it starts the third week of the month. Okay. And what, what I found is over the years, I've met so many terrific experts in the field of life and aging. And I decided I wanted to bring these people, you know, to people who wouldn't necessarily be able to hear them. Um, so I welcome people. You can, you know, go to my website, you can look under interviews and you'll find a list of the ones coming up. I don't have anything in December because it's just too close to the holidays. Yeah. In addition, if you come to my website and sign up, there's a free giveaway of the 10 must have conversations. And I have resources that I'm in the process of updating now for 2021, but it's, you know, it's pretty up to date. Um, and it's a free resource that you would get too. And there are um, retirement coaches in Canada, throughout the United States. There's a Retirement Coaches Association. There's a life planning network. Um, so that if you're stuck, you know, you may find that some of these programs or podcasts, you know, about retirement help. There's some wonderful books out there. But I do encourage you, if you're feeling stuck, whether you're alone or in a relationship, reach out to a retirement coach or somebody who, you know, specializes in, you know, this transition of life or at least transitions of life because there's really people out there to help you get unstuck. Right. And there's no reason to stay stuck. And days right. will pass, like, you know, um, one after the other, just like walking down the road one day after the other. And, like, here we are coming to the end of February of a whole brand new year. And it's just like, right. where's the time going? And one day we all wake up and we're in age and we're going, how did that happen? 
I'm telling everybody my, my kids are getting older than me because uh, I'm, <laughs> it's just, you know, um, I'm, I'm happy that I am doing as well as I am. And I'm happy that I've had the input from people like yourself. And this whole podcast that I started was not really, it wasn't just for everybody else. It's like, I have learned some amazing yeah. from my guests. Uh, like you, Dorian, I'm so thankful. Um, and just to remind people, it's Dorian Mincer, and you're on uh, revolutionizeretirement.com. And yep. I would encourage anybody to, you know, check you out. Look at those resources; they're phenomenal. There's lots of them there. So, if you're unstuck, then uh, go do something about it, right? So, thank you, Dory, for coming. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I so appreciate your being here. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure being here. And I want to wish you a happy birthday, too. You have a big birthday coming up. So. <laughs> big one, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those, it is uh, a good one. A good one. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know from experience. And I mean, if I get uh, five years down the road and I can manage like you, then you know, that's all good. So um, I like I like your comments. And I think I'd like to close on the fact that you had said, you know, around 30 percent. Was it on genetics? And the, the 70%, 70% on our lifestyle. So you can't go around blaming your folks, folks. That's or right. <laughs> or uh, thanking them. I mean, it's it, we have choices. So thank you so much for pointing that out. I've learned a lot, as I hope my, my listeners have, Dory. So all the best to you. And you just keep on the difference. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, this is Mary McCartney. And you've been listening to Don't Die Before You're Dead. And I challenge you, as the Dory, to get out there and live the best life you can and live the life you're meant to live. Till next time, take care. <laughs>